0: Welcome to the Celebration Church Podcast. We are so glad you've joined us, and we hope you are encouraged by today's message. Today we have with us not only a special guest, but a dear, dear friend to Carrie and I, uh, one of my best friends, one of my oldest friends, and he's here with his two daughters, Bella and McCall. Y'all stand up, Bella and McCall. Come on, give my a hand. We're so, I love it. I love it when the kids get to travel with with the pastor, with dad, and we're so glad that y'all are here. We're sorry about the weather and all that kind of stuff, but it's all good. But um, Pastor Dino, he has been a dear, dear friend and an overseer of our church for so many years. And I want y'all to know this. You know, our church turns 20 years old uh, this fall. Did you know this? Did you know that before we planted this church, And we didn't have enough money. We were just scraping things together to try to, you know, you know, rent a school for a couple of months, see if God would bless it and see if it would go. I met with Pastor Dino, and uh, I told him, um, you know, we were friends. I told him about what I felt like God had called Carrie and I to do, and he looked at us. He said, "You know what? I want to buy all your worship equipment." We're going to buy all of your worship equipment so you don't have to worry about that. You don't have to worry about your worship. And I'm going to give you a trailer. I'm going to give you a trailer that you can put it all in so, you can, so it can be mobile and you can set it up wherever you go. And Dino, I will never forget that. Never forget that for the rest of my life. I want to thank you for sowing that seed. How many of you would agree that in our worship, just like we saw in that last song, think of all the ministry that God's done in our worship around the world. And Pastor Dino Rizzo sowed that first seed into our church. So Dino, we know that your wife, Delenn, she's sick. We know God's going to healer, learned she couldn't be here with you, but church. Oh, and also Dino leads all of ARC. He's oversees thousands of churches in our network, and uh, he's just awesome. I could just talk about him all afternoon, as you can tell. Come on, church. I want you to stand to your feet. I want you to give honor where honor is due. Let's welcome up Pastor Dino. We're so glad he's with us.
1: Come on. Let's clap our hands for Jesus. It's all about him. Always unto him, unto him, unto him. Wow! To God be the glory for the great things He is doing at celebration. And so, uh, just so glad to be here. Welcome all those who are joined online. I know that you're online audience because of what God has done and is doing here at Celebration continues to increase and of course those at some of our other locations. Thanks a lot for being a part. I love what God is doing uh, in this house right now here of course with all the kids and what Pastor Stovall talked about. He's going to be taking care of our kids this summer which is awesome so if you don't know what to do with your kids just drop them off at his house anytime during the summer He is our pastoral babysitter for the summer. Just fantastic. Clap our hands for our pastor. He's so giving and loving our kids. He is the real deal when I first met Pastor Stubble, we were doing that. We were taking care of kids, doing youth ministry, college ministry we 've known each other a long long time i 'm as much older brother, much many many more years as senior uh, I turned eighty six this year, just doing well, feeling great for 86 matter of fact, I can 't wait to be ninety and so uh, to me like, man, that brother looking good for 86. Uh, The other day I was doing a youth conference and kids weren't paying attention. I was like, hey, look up here. I'm about 90 years old up in here trying to talk to you kids. You cheering. Come on. Look at me. Look at me. Kid came up to me afterwards like, man, you look good for 90. Thank you very much. Got to go higher next time, but uh, love this church, love everything about this church. I love what happens in all the environments, but I also love what happens from these environments as you serve the city, as you reach out to the poor, to the hurting around the world. You're known as a generous church where people talk about celebration. They talk about pastors, Stovall on Kerry, and of course the team. You have a dynamic team The worship all across at every location, first class. They love you. They love God. Uh, one of the, the words is generosity uh, that describes you as a house and as a people, loving people, reaching out to others, caring about maybe uh, those that have been forgotten. You've always done that as a church. And uh, I was one of those. I would have never showed up at church. I didn't come to Christ through going to church. Church came to me through outreach. We were not church-going people. We would have never woke up on a morning as a family and said, do you want to go to church? We just was not in our frame of reference. And so the church came to me through an outreach, did a creative outreach, outreach on a weekend, and it got my attention. And shared the love of God. And so it made me want to know more. It was very inviting. And I think that's one of the most in, in, amazing things about the people of God is when we're an inviting people, the way we live our life. And I know you're that. And so thank God for this church and all that you represent and what God is doing right now. And love your pastors. We have a 25, 26, 27-year history. Knew him pre-celebration. And you know, God's hand has always been on Pastor Stovall. As long as I've known him, He's had a dear love for God, a deep love for God. Just that love is beyond anything. Uh, really that, that it's the first priority of he and Carrie's heart. And I was, I was thinking, I was praying uh, for them, uh, the last couple weeks and normally don't do this, but God really gave me a verse uh, for your pastors. Cause it reminds me of your pastors. It's in Psalms 103 verse seven. I think this is a verse that describes your pastor said this. He made known his ways to Moses, his deeds to the people of Israel. You know, Israel, what were were people, they watched what God did, but yet Moses understood why he was doing that. And I believe God has given your pastor a heavenly perspective, not just what he's doing today, but why he's doing certain things and why certain things work and why certain things don't work. And so Pastor Stovall, we love you. We thank God for you. You and Carrie are a gift to the body of Christ. I know we wouldn't be able to plant churches without your leadership. And we are just so grateful uh, to be friends. And don't you love your pastors come on can you show your love for your pastors who really have a heart for god come on show your love celebration let them know how much you love them how thankful you are for them great leaders integrity a gift to the body of christ just touching the world and so we're grateful to do life together Uh, With them, our family. They've been so generous to us. And what what people learn here from what you do at Awakening, when you serve at that, then of course we planted over 774 churches together through ARC. So every time you give, and when you do text to give, or you go online to give, or you find out about the things that are happening here uh, at celebration, and you you become consistent in your tithing, and you, you put giving to God as a priority in your life, there's a portion of that goes out and helps us do this all over the world. So this fall, we'll plant 55 churches around the United States and Canada. So think about this. There are 55 couples right now that are believing in about six to eight weeks, they're going to get a church up off the ground. They're going to try to figure it out. They're going to launch churches in a middle school and high school and and and, and movie theaters. We even got a church launching in an art gallery. Come on, somebody. And because, of, and because you give, I want you to hear this, and because you say yes in your generosity and Yes in tithing and yes in offering, we can say yes to these couples and say yes, go plant that church, go make a difference. So, on behalf of all those couples who have a dream in their heart to do this, I just want to say thank you for being such a generous church and making a difference for Christ. And and we just believe that that heaven is going to be populated from those churches that are getting planted. So, thanks a lot. And again, love what God has done. Our family's doing well. Uh, good to have my daughters here with me, and my son is up in New York working at the Hillside. Song Church uh, in New York, and then my wife and I, we've been married 29 years. It'll be 30 years in December. and uh, come on 30-year anniversary. Come on, we going to Biloxi, come on somebody. I'm joking. We tease about going to Biloxi and uh, we're from Louisiana. We now live up in in Alabama, but we're having a great time. And I really count it. One of the honors of my life is to serve this church uh, in a way and serve your pastors. And so uh, I love coming here, love speaking. I always pray that God gives me a word, gives me something unique for our time together. As I prayed for our time together, I want to talk for a few minutes around the idea of God's vantage point, God's vantage point. God has a vantage point about what's happening in the world and what's happening in our life and what's happening with our kids. And and, and he's wanting us to get his vantage point. Because if we're not careful, we only live from one vantage point. And normally that's ourself or that's lack or that's less. God wants to move us to his vantage point. So let's talk about that for a few minutes. Let's pray. Father, we love you. Thank you for what you're doing in this house, the work. Worship. We thank you for our pastors, all those who gathered around to just get strife out of their life and just worship you and have a, just a breakthrough, God. Lord, we just sometimes life gets so heavy and we just live in hurt. And so, Lord, thank you for freedom uh, that's happening in this house. And Lord, we thank you for uh, the heavenly perspective that you've given our pastor. And so pray. I pray today, God, that you would help us to, to have a better vantage point of what's going on in our life, Lord, we thank you for healing. Lord, you've healed us, and you're going to heal us, so that we can be healers to other people. We love you so much. In Jesus' name, everybody said a good amen. Once you to turn to the person next to you and say, "I'm glad you made it to church," come on, look at the other person that was your second option. Now you know who you are, and say, "You look like you could use a little church, my friend. You, my friend." I love finding these windows in Scripture that helps us to understand what God is like. And I think that's an important thing. We live in a world that is so counter uh, to what God is like. I did not grow up knowing what God was like. Uh, I, I had no idea. You know, I, I did not know that he was a healing God. I did not know that that he enjoyed people. Uh, I did not know that he uh, loved and, and enjoyed all kinds of people, even people that were a little jacked up like myself. You know, I would have thought God like root canals and roofing houses and pain and hitting your thumb with a hammer. It's just, that's the kind of, I grew up thinking that about God. So I never knew a lot what God was like. And so I love finding these passages in scripture that helps me to know what God is like. And then also helps me to know that God has a vantage point about our life in this world that is different than mine, and he's trying to move me towards that. One of those windows is in Isaiah chapter 55, This gives us the nature and the characteristics and and the the width and height and breadth of God Almighty uh, in the world that we live in. Uh, It's just an amazing scene. It says this in verse six, it says, seek the Lord while he may be found. Call on him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the evil man his thoughts. Let him turn to the Lord and he will have mercy on him for our God, for he will freely pardon him. I love these verses for my thoughts are not yours your thoughts Neither are my ways your ways declares the Lord as heaven is higher than the earth so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts are higher than your thoughts sometimes we think God thinks like us or God is like us and and and, and sometimes we've been around people who claim to know God but we get around them we think if God is like that then I 'm not real sure I can have a relationship with God but yet we See here in Isaiah that God says, I have a vantage point and I am beyond what you could ever even imagine. My ways, my thoughts, my doings are different than your viewpoint. Your limited viewpoint goes on to say, As the rain comes down and the rain and the snow comes down from the earth and it does not return without watering the earth, making it bud and flourish so that it yields seeds for the sower and bread for the eater, so is my word that goes from my mouth. It will not return to me empty. Watch what it says. But I will accomplish what I desire. I've got a vantage point. I want to accomplish something in your life that I desire that goes beyond what you can ever desire, what I desire, and achieve the perfect purpose for which I sent it. I sent a word to you. I sent a promise to you. I sent a dream to you. I sent hope and help to you, and I'm going to accomplish it. You don't even know what's going to happen. I see something about your life. I see something about your situation that's beyond what you can see. And then he finishes up and says, you will go out in joy, be led forth in peace. The mountains and the hills will burst into song before you. And all the trees of the field will clap their hands. Instead of the thorn bush, will grow a pine tree. Instead of the briars, a myrtle will grow. This will be for the Lord's renown for an everlasting sign. Look at that, an everlasting manifestation which will not be destroyed. What I'm gonna do from my vantage point, I'm gonna do something that is beyond even the natural situation that you're in right now because Israel was full of briars, it was full of thorns, it was full of heartache and pain and God speaks a promise in the middle of a people that are in peril and pain. How can God do that? Because God's got a different vantage point than we have. How can God call something healed that's hurting? How can God put a promise on pain? How can God say, listen, I know you came in with strife, but if you'll lift up my name, you'll go out with wholeness because he sees things that we don't see. It says vantage point. God has a vantage point. It's a movie that came out a while back called Vantage Point. I don't know if you saw it. Pretty good movie. Little Dennis Quaid, little Farce Whitaker, a few other people that I don't remember. So I went to go see it. Uh, most interesting movie I think I've ever seen. Go in, sit in there, watch it. It's kind of South American, and there's some, ter- there's some terrorism in it. There's some political stuff in it. You sit down to watch it. And so normally a movie's about two hours. So you sit down to watch the whole thing, and there's a developing thing. There's a plot. There's some players in it. But it's interesting. This thing is fast-tracked, and in about 12 minutes, you've watched the whole movie. What are we going to do now? It goes back and starts over with the same story and does it again. And then it does it again. It does it eight times over and over again. At first, I'm like, I want my money back. I've already seen it. We already went through this. I saw the bomb. I saw people running. I saw all this, but then I started realizing that each time the story was told, they were telling it from a different vantage point. One vantage point gave me one angle, and I could only see a part of the story, but then it gave me from the cameraman, and then it gave me from the banana vendor, and then it gave me from the politician, and then I got one from the taxi driver, and when I put them all together, I saw the wholeness of the story. Can I tell you something? We Live life at times from one angle, one slant, one bent, and it's hard to tell that there's something else going on. But God says, I have a vantage point. I have a perspective. I see everything. I am the Alpha and the Omega. I see it from beginning and the end. Somebody ought to help me in celebration right now because you know that's your life. You know that's your situation. You know that's your story. And if we're not careful we start getting defined by one angle and somebody sees our life and they have a slant they have a bent god says i see way more than that i know there's pain i know there's heartache i know there was a mistake but god has a vantage point all of us do if you've been married you have a vantage point that single people don't have. Remember I mean, when you're not married and you talk to somebody married, I just, I just don't know if they're the one. I remember just asking a buddy of mine, I just don't know if they're the one. And he's just saying it's so smooth. Oh, you'll know my brother. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> oh, you know it. I'm going to punch you in your face. <laughs> I don't know. He, they, hey, how about Kids. I'm staying out all night long after prom. No, you're not. Oh, yes, Sam. Everybody stays out all night after prom. I'll be home in like three days. It's amazing. It's prom. And as a parent, you say, you're not staying out all night after prom, because if you stay out all night after prom, you're going to get arrested. You're going to go to jail. Why? Because we got a vantage point. Come on. I have lived a long time, and I know that after 1230, ain't nothing but trouble going on and your kids look at you, how you know that? Because I am old. I got a vantage point you don't have. It's a vantage point. As I prayed for you, I felt like in my spirit, in my, just praying for you, I felt like God spoke to my heart and said, I'm giving celebration a vantage point about some things I want to do in the earth today. I think that's why God gave your, your pastor a heavenly perspective. He saw something. It was a perspective, it was an angle, it was a glimpse, it was a viewpoint. And from that, we get a vantage point. Because God, God sees everything. God has a vantage point. Uh, there's so many he has. he has. He sees things from so many angles. Uh, I mean, there's hundreds. I mean, he is the beginning and the end. He, he is everything. Uh, you, you know, it, it, but but I, I wrote down through. I think God sees everything through spiritual. I mean, he's a spirit. So sometimes we don't know what the spirit's doing. It's just hard sometimes. Sometimes we're not spiritual. Sometimes I react very soulish. And sometimes I'm moved by my feelings. Sometimes I operate in the physical, and I get mad at people, and I forget that they're not the enemy, but I feel like they're the enemy, and I feel like, man, they're. They, ugh, I'm so mad at that person, but see, a spiritual vantage point says our, our battle is not against flesh and blood, so we got to get a spiritual vantage point, point. and so God has a spiritual vantage point. Can I tell you something else? God has a vantage point about your identity that at times we struggle with. Sometimes we feel less, we feel insecure, we feel hurt. We feel wounded. and We let those real wounds and those real hurts and those real situations begin to identify us, and we begin to live from an identity of pain or hurt. Come on, you know all about this. You're taught this. Pastor Kerry teaches you this. Pastor Stovall teaches you things about identity and value. We begin to live from that one identity, but yet God comes along and says, whoa, 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 whoa. That's not your identity. Your identity is healed. Your identity is whole. Your identity is a future. Your identity is... Is you matter. You have value. Your pain now is purpose. It's another identity. It's another viewpoint in your identity. But God tells you, something, it doesn't stop there. And sometimes we stop right there. God has an identity about the world, and is a, he has a view, he has this, a, a vantage point about the world. His vantage point to the world is that He's willing that none would perish. But that all would come to repentance. He has a John 3:16 vantage point, for God so loved the whole world, all kinds of people with all kinds of problems. And God is wanting you and I to live our life and to love people from His vantage point. Now the enemy has one, too. And his, his is not real complex. It's not like calculus 408. There's such a thing. Come on, I graduated a little pre-algebra myself back in 82. A little pre-algebra. It's all you needed back in those days. A little pre-algebra. The, the enemy really has two vantage points. He has, a, he has a vantage point of a lie and a deception, and he has the vantage point of limitation. So he's always trying you to either believe a lie, be deceived, or to believe a limitation. And then, and then all we think about is ourself. And all we think about is what I'm going through. The other day I had one of those moments, uh, I was having one of those days where I was in my own vantage point, my own angle, my own perspective, uh, thinking a lot about Dino, a lot of Dino that day, real Dino day. Dino loves Dino. Dino cares about Dino. Dino thinks, talks to Dino a lot. What do you think, Dino? Here's what I think. Hey, let's go do that. I mean, I'm all about me. And so I was having one of those days. I call it being in my own head. Fixing my problems, my pain, my situation, fogged out a little bit, going through a Starbucks drive-through. Do not remember the order. Don't even remember the exchange with the person at the window. I don't know if it was eight dollars or eight grand. I'm not real sure, but I don't. I did not even. I did not. What sadly is, I didn't even look at the other human. Maybe you've never been like that, where you go through life and you don't even recognize the humans around you because you're in your own vantage point. I was absorbed with me. My money, my pain, my schedule, my calendar. So for some reason, when I went past, I got my drink and I pulled up and I was just fogging. I talk to myself when I fog out. And I just pulled up and put my truck in park and just stopped in the drive-thru. I don't know how long I was there. A few minutes later, someone's knocking on my windshield. I turn around, the guy's like, roll your window down. And I'm starting to come to a little bit. No, I don't, I don't know this dude. I rolled up on my truck. I don't know you rolled up on my truck. And, and he said, roll your window down. No, no. Bluetooth. Police. Roll your window down. I roll my window down. He says, man, you're blocking the drive through I, I didn't even know where I was. I look around, 15 cars wrapped around Starbucks. People blowing the horn. The bristle's like, pull up, pull up. So I, I ease up, and this guy's laughing. I pull up. He's walking beside my truck. I said, man, who are you? Are you like the Starbucks police? I mean, who are you? He said, no, man, I, I caught a bad bus. I don't know where I'm at. I got to get down to the homeless shelter. It closes at 7 o'clock. It was 5.30. I said, man, I know where that homeless shelter is. It's right by our Dream Center. I know where that's at. I said, I kind of came out of it. I said, hey, hey, jump up in the truck with me. I'm going to give you a ride. Now, I'm not an advocate to give homeless people a ride or to let somebody up in your vehicle you don't know, he was a small guy. I'm a big situation. I'm burning diesel. I said control, if you know what I'm talking about. I was all right. I was all right. So he got up in the truck with me. We start talking, laughing, cutting up. I said, What's your name? He said, Benjamin. I just said Benjamin, Benjamin, that's in the Bible. And I just kept saying it. Benjamin, Benjamin, Benjamin. In the Bible, in the Bible, in the Bible. He said, what's your name? I said, Dino. He said, that's in the flintstones. <laughs> Come on, celebration. Yabba dabba do. He said, he's like, Woo! I mean, just rolling me up, and man, we're cracking on each other. Man, we start talking, we have a moment. I'm getting stuff out the back seat, giving it to him. We swing in, get some food. I pull up, we pray together, we talk, we have a moment. He goes inside. I was like, Lord, thank you, thank you that you got me out of my vantage point, thank you that you moved me from my angle, thank you that you got me out of my perspective, and you sent me to Benjamin. And God spoke to my heart like enormity. He said, son, do you think I sent you to Benjamin? I sent Benjamin to you. Benjamin was the one. Benjamin was the gift. Benjamin was the one that I was using. Benjamin was the healer. Benjamin was the ambassador to get you out of your vantage point and to get into mine. Move us, God. Move us. Move us to your vantage point. I really believe God wants to do that. You know, I grew up like in M&M's. Just thought I'd throw that out there. I ain't got nothing to do with the message. Just wanted to say it. No, I was growing up, There's two kinds of M&M's, like chocolate and peanut. Now there's like 800. Can't even keep count of them all. And I was thinking about that God has some M&M's of a vantage point. I wrote down five of them, they all start with M. God has a vantage point that he's trying to get us to, and I believe he's been doing it here at Celebration. Here's the first thing, is God's vantage point is a manifestation. God's manifesting himself. He wants to manifest himself to you, to your children, to our church. Manifest means to be on display, to be clearly seen. Lord, help us to clearly see your will. Help us to clearly see what you're doing today. Help us to clearly see the word, what you've done in the word, what it, what it means to me, the patterns that are in the word, the messages that are in the word, the truth that is in the word. It's a manifestation. God is wanting to manifest himself. And I believe he's been doing it in your services, and, but, but let me tell you something. It doesn't stop there because it's great to have a manifestation, but you need something out of a manifestation, and that is a mandate because you don't want a manifestation without a mandate. A mandate says, yes, Lord, I will do that. Nothing good with having a manifestation. All you've had is a moving service. All you've had is a moving moment, and we want to move you from just a moving moment to a mandate where you say Yes. I agree with that, God. Yes, I'm going to be about that. I'm going to walk in my healing. I'm going to help people. I'm going to be a giver. It's a mandate. But the other thing that also is, is it becomes a mission then. So, Lord, move us from a manifestation to a, man, to a mission, and we believe the mission is, is the local church. The mission is you and I uh, reaching to people, noticing people, being the church inside and being the church outside. Lord, you've given us a mission to reach out. God has given your pastors a mission in this region to make a difference, to reach people. It's a mission. We do it together. Why? Because we're better together. I can do more with you than I can all by myself. So we come together in mission and giving and generosity, loving, but we don't stop there because we want to move from mission to what? To be mobilized, mobilization. Because, hey, it's great to have a manifestation. It's great to say, Yes, Lord, I want to do that. I'm all in, I'm all about it. It's great to say yes to the mission, but then we want to be mobilized so what? So we can be a part of the mission. In our unique bent, our unique angle, because you're going to see something about hurting humanity that I'm not going to see. You're going to love somebody that I'm not going to be able to love. You're going to be able to reach out to somebody that I'm not going to be able to reach out to. I never forget when my parents went through their sickness and both of them passed away. They both passed away at a hospital. And for all those days, I was at that hospital for five weeks, taking care of my dad when he was in a coma. Three years later, my mother has cancer. And and the doctors gave her two years. Five weeks later, she passes away. I remember being at that hospital, going down them hallways, sleeping at night in the hospital, eating that cafeteria food, being there with those families. Guess what? I got a perspective of grace and patience and empathy in the hospital that I had never had before. So guess what? When I'd go to the hospital, now, I have a different vantage point. It's a, I've been mobilized to make a difference. And then the last thing, because this is always what God wants to get us to, is to the miraculous. Where God uses us in a miraculous way to reach the poor, the broken, the hurting, those that are fighting addiction. I can remember back in the day, Pastor Stovall, years ago, we planted our churches and not every family was touched with the pain of addiction. It's hard pressed to find a family today that somewhere in their fam- family, someone is not in the prison of addiction, the pain, and then the, the fallout and collateral damage that that does to the, to the relationships. So God use us to see a healing take place to hurting people, the miraculous, I prayed, I said, Lord, give give me one window of this. And I'm just going to give it to you real quick. It's in Acts chapter three. I love this window. And I just give it to you just real quick. I know I found out earlier that uh, Pastor Clay taught on this. And so if you want a much better commentary, you want to check him out. He's got a whole filet. I'm going to give you a shrimp cocktail out of Acts chapter three. He got filet and lobster, surf and turf, sample plate. Acts chapter three, I think this, uh, embodies the four, the five ms I think in this is manifestation, mandate, mission, mobilization, and miraculous. It says one day, Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer at three in the afternoon. Do you know, uh, the, the New Testament church called three o'clock, the hour of mercy. I love that. The New Testament church called three o'clock the hour of mercy. Why? Because that's when Jesus was crucified. So that was a special time in the New Testament church. So at three o'clock in the afternoon, now a man, so it changes to this other scene. A crippled man, crippled from birth, was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg. So he not only was dependent upon other people, he was, he was dependent upon begging. So he's beg- he goes there to beg. And he would beg from those going into the temple courts, which was not a bad idea. Because something about him said, if I'm in that location, then maybe I'll find compassion. Let it be said that lost, broken humanity comes to the door of the church and they do not find judgment, they find compassion. Oh, come on, somebody. You ought to clap your hands on that one. Let that be said of the church. Let that be said of this house, that what they find at the door of the church from the people coming in and out is compassion and mercy. So he laid him there and he begged for money. And when he saw Peter and John about to enter, they were going in. It's three o'clock. They got to get there. He asked them for money. Peter looked straight at him. Looked straight at him, as did John. And then Peter said, because he's just calling out alms, alms, alms. He said, oh, hey, hey, hey. look at us. Look here. I love eye contact. Well, Lord, help us have eye contact with broken humanity. Don't let us turn away from the crippled. Don't let us turn away from pain. Let us look right at it. He has eye contact. He says, look at us. So the man gave him his attention, expecting to get something from them. Then Peter said, silver and gold I do not have, but what I have I give you in the name, not my name, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. He spoke it by his word, but then it said, taking him by the right hand, and He helped him up. Oh, come on somebody. Lord, let us be known as a church, as a family, as a blended family, as a single mom, as a single again, dad, let us be known. We are people that help others up we lift them up, we reach down, and we we help people. Celebration, the church that helps people. Celebration, the church that helps people. Riot, the church that helps young people. We are the church that, that's that church that'll help the poor. That's that church that'll help the addict. That's that church that will help those that are wounded and broken and forgotten. That's those people that help other people. I couldn't imagine being known for anything better than that. Man, God moves in that church. Oh, I know he moves, but man, do you see how they help people? Man, the preaching of that church, oh, it's good. The worship, woo Children's church, leave with goldfish coming out of their pockets. But what they really do, at the core of who they are, they help people. That's who we are. It says he helped them instantly. As he was helping them, the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet. I like this. And began to walk. Then he went with them into the temple. Look what it says. And they walking and jumping and praising God. When all the people saw him walking, praising, They recognized this as the same man who used to sit at the uh, begging at the temple gate called beautiful. And they were filled with wonder and amazed at all that happened while the beggar held on to Peter and John, which was a good idea. All the people were astonished, came running to them in the place called Solomon's colonnade. And when Peter saw this, he saw this opportunity. He said to the men of Israel, Why does this surprise you? Why do you stare at us as if? I like that, as if as if by our own power or good godliness, uh, we have done this thing. We did not make this man walk, but he goes on to say it was Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus has been glorified. The servant Jesus did all this. I love how immediately he takes the attention off of himself and he puts it on God. Boy, that's a healing environment. That's a healing environment, very spiritual men, oh, so spiritual. So in touch with heaven, a heavenly perspective, but sensitive to suffering Lord, never make us so heavenly that we can't be sensitive to hurting people. He's not making us heavenly so that we're not sensitive. The more heavenly we become, the more sensitive we become to someone else's struggle. The more intimate we get with Je- the more intimacy of prayer, the less isolated I am from man, the more I'm engaged with mankind. What happens? The more manifestation of Jesus, the more mobilization of the body of Christ. The more we get of Jesus, the more we're going to be able to give of Jesus. Lord, let that be said of us. See, I believe God is pouring out His spirit and he wants to heal crippled lives, crippled marriages, crippled cripple thinking, uh, and God wants to use us to do it so that we can make a difference for Jesus. Can I have a good amen? amen? You know, I remember when we started our church, I'll finish with this, and we were such a little church, a little baby church. I didn't have nothing to do. I was just trying to preach on the weekends, count the offering in like four minutes, Uh, Clean the church in like 15. It was so little. Go to the hospital. We didn't have anybody in the hospital. Everybody was young. I mean, we we had nothing to do. You know, I do all my churchy duties on like Monday. And then uh, like the rest of the week, I didn't know what to do. So we started doing outreach, started reaching people. What do we start? We just started helping people. And I remember a lady called me when they said, "Listen, Pastor, do you have time to marry my daughter? She's gotten herself in a situation. They need to get married. Would you mind marrying them? at that time in Louisiana?" Pastors had made a decision not to marry people that were not in church or didn't go to church. It just were that was a strong stance for them. And I remember sitting back thinking, "Well, maybe I'll do the opposite. If if nobody's going to marry these lost people, then maybe I'll marry them. So I said, "Sure." It just had happened. So I said, "I'd love to marry your. You know, I'll perform the wedding." I said, "But one thing, hey." They need to come see me for a couple hours. So they come see me and I talk to them. And I, I start doing hundreds of weddings. They come see me for a minute. I talk to them about wedding and marriage for like I'd been married five years, so I' didn't know a lot. So I just say something like, "Hey, listen, tell her you're sorry, you're wrong, and she's right. Are we good on marriage? Okay, good. Are we good there? Now let's jump over. You need to accept Jesus. You need some Jesus in your life. This ain't gonna work if this ain't working. I pull out all the illustration, everything. Man, I'm getting people saved in marriage counseling. I had more people saved in those settings than I did in church hundreds coming to Christ. Our church started growing and, and we started doing weddings. And, and i never forget one day I had a, a girl call. My wife said, Hey, listen, I know you hadn't heard from me in a while. We went to youth camp, but I need to get married. Do you, do you mind? And he said, listen, I hate to tell you this. Y- y'all are the fourth people we asked. You're the fourth choice. I was like, "Cool, I'll be the fourth choice. I could do that." So they came over. Girl walks in. She's a tall girl. Walks in behind her big old guy, football player, playing at LSU. Huge, big Samoan, just jacked up. Swe- I just remember he was sweating like crazy. And he didn't even sit in his seat. He just hovered, just- <laughs> sweating like crazy. I was terrified. I was like, oh, Lord, it's going to kill me. He has this big paws, I mean, hands. And, and he was like, you know, so I, I tell him about marriage. And then for two hours, I pour out Romans. And, and you must be born again. And God wants to heal you. And he's a healing Jesus. He, he's a helping Jesus. And she starts crying, weeping. She knew God. I said, I said, Tracy, would you like to receive Christ? She said, yeah, I need to get my life right with God. I said, would you like to receive Christ? He said, no. So what does a good evangelist does? He asks it a second chance. Can you blink? Can you just move? Can you sweat some more? Will a drop come off your head and it will tell me that you're being born again today. I see your hand. I see the sweat. You're breathing. I mean, help me. He said, I don't want your Jesus. Will you still marry me, preacher boy? I was like, whoa. I mean, it's like that. I mean, you are big. Yes, sir, I will. Go do the wedding. Kevin goes on to get drafted. Playing in the NFL, brother gets killed in a car wreck, wife gets postpartum after their first child. NFL is not going too well. Shows up one Sunday, I'm preaching our little church. And I'm giving an invitation, like we'll do in one moment, asking people to come forward. And I see this dark shadow in the back. I I don't know if it's like a monitor or like a a lift we had left in there or something. Just so huge. And all of a sudden, I see it start coming forward. I know. And all of a sudden, it blocks the lights, and I'm like, I'm eclipsed by this. I'm in the shadow. I'm like, hello, hello. He's like, and I. It's Kevin. I'm like, Kevin. He's like, come here, come here. I need to talk to you right now. Come here. I'm giving an invitation. There are people responding, but when a man that size says, come here, you say, thank y'all very much. God bless y'all. Y'all dismiss to the Lord. be I was in Louisiana Catholic. Give him the sign of the cross. God bless you. The man called me right here. We go into the back of a little children's room, a little four-year-old room, and there's little small chairs in there. He has 67 questions. Why am I so angry? Why am I hurting? What about this? What about God? God doesn't make sense. It's not fair. He starts just going after question after question. Finally, I said, Kevin, I don't have any answers to those questions. I don't have enough silver and gold. I don't have enough knowledge. I'm not that much of a theologian. But what I have, I will give to you. You need to give your life to Jesus. You need to trust Jesus. You need to surrender to Jesus. I'll give you what I have and in that room I asked him a second time I said would you like to receive Christ he said yes I would and I reached across and took him by his paws or hands or whatever those things were and and I I prayed with him to receive Christ he started crying he hugged me and started crying I started crying because I thought he was going to kill me I talked to Kevin yesterday 24 years ago. Guys, kids, coach at Arizona State, played in the NFL 17 years. He'll go into the Hall of Fame this year. I was with him at the Hall of Fame induction this past year. He missed it by just one person. He's one of the most respected men in the NFL. He was the player's president forever. He, he, he a looked to, he, he, he's done so many things, but he'll tell you at the end of the day, he's a follower of Jesus Christ. You know, it's so interesting. We went through a tough time at our church after Katrina. We couldn't afford to build our arena. We were having financial, the costs went up. We didn't know what we were gonna do. We were gonna have to stop the Project. I got a call from Kevin Mawai. He said, I'm sending you over four million dollars to get the building bill. Who would have known? Who knew? God had a vantage point. God had a vantage point. God had a vantage point. Thank God I was the fourth choice. God will use you when you're the fourth choice. God will use you on the tenth choice. God will use you on the fifteenth choice. God knows. God knows. God knows see. God sees what we don't see. And if we'll allow him to do healing in our life and be used to bring healing, there's no tellings what he will do because you just never know. You just never know. Amen. Hey, let's be that church. Let's be those people. Let's all stand. I'm going to pray for you. Father, we love you. Thank you for what you're doing in this house. Lord, we thank you that you're a healing Jesus. You are a healing Jesus. So Father, I pray that today you would bring healing to hurting people. Maybe you're here today and you feel like that man at the gate. You feel crippled in anger. Kevin was so bitter. Kevin was so distant. Kevin had so many questions. He was just crippled by fear and doubt and unbelief and hurt. Maybe physically you need healing in your life as I prayed for our time and prayed for our time as we close out. Our pastor's gonna come in one moment. We're gonna worship again. But I wanna pray for every person in this room. Maybe you're watching at another location or online. I wanna pray for every person. You need healing in your life. Maybe healing in your body, maybe healing in a relation. I just felt like God said, "I want to heal people. I want to lift people up that feel crippled in their spirit, crippled in their soul, crippled in their mindset, crippled in their their vantage point. I want to bring healing into. I'm going to heal them today. So I want to pray for you right now, all over this room. If you need healing in your life, just whether it's mental or physical, whether it's something in your soul, it's a relationship. I want you. I want you right now, wherever you are, to just move out of your seat. We're not going to take a moment. I don't make me beg for it. Don't make me work hard. Come on, all over this room, you say, I need healing in my life right now. I'm just tired of being crippled. I'm tired of the same old thing. I feel stuck in my life. Come on, church. Can we clap our hands? We're going to wait as those move from the risers. I see people moving in the risers right now. Come on, let's clap our hands as people are coming forward. I see many people coming close, Come in close. I see many people moving right now, coming all the way from the back. We're going to wait on you. Come on, you need healing in your life. You just need a new beginning. Just no more healing. I'm tired of being stuck. I'm tired of being paralyzed. I want healing in my life. Father, we thank you for that. Oh, wow. That's amazing. Pastor
0: So, uh, so look, I want, I'm, and I'm going to ask everyone remain. This is only going to just take a, a couple of minutes, but we're going to witness something real powerful here. Wait, Dino, C- come back real, real quick. I want y'all to, can y'all like spread out? Can y'all spread out a little bit? And uh, so so Dino, talk about, talk about real quick before we pray. Talk about that process of when they were, because I think a lot of people, if if you've read that scripture, it looks like Peter says, you know, arise and, you know, I give you Jesus, arise and walk. And we skip over the part that says that Peter basically had to grab him by the hand and help him up. So it was speaking the name and the healing power of Jesus, but there was also the action of, I'm going to help. I'm going to help you up.
1: Well, it, it was power along the way. Which I think sometimes we don't understand that sometimes God gives power along the way that when he reached down to support him Then the supernatural showed up so there would be no supernatural without Peter and John's support He reached down grabbed him by the hand first. He spoke He spoke by the authority. There was an authority that was given and then he reached down and grabbed him by the hand and then it said that power or healing started in his feet and then went to his ankles. It literally means, if you studied in the Greek, that his feet were out of socket and they were dislocated. That he had been born with dislocated feet. And over those years that all of that scar tissue and all the hardening, they were stuck that way. He was and so and in that moment that power came in and they popped back into socket. Come on. And all of a sudden he had never walked before. And so he felt something he had never felt before. And then they lifted him up. And it says he held on to them. And it and and it began it began to happen because he went from being crippled, feet, ankles, to leaping and jumping and praising God. Come on. Come on. It started from the bottom. Oh, come on, somebody. I started from the bottom. I started from the bottom.
0: That's the real meaning of that song. Don't make
1: me rap healing up in here.
0: Thank you for tuning into today's podcast. For more information about Celebration Church or to get in touch with us, please visit celebration.org.